If I could describe to get my life tour in one word, it would be vulnerability. Showing up for yourself is so important. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. I'm your host, Lydia T. Blanco. Hey y'all, and welcome to the Get My Life Tour. It is me, your host, Lydia T. Blanco. And as always, I am excited that you decided to take time out of your day and show up for yourself. Thank you for being here and for your willingness to be vulnerable and to get something along your journey that you need. I am super thrilled for today's conversation because it is all about wellness it's all about taking that deep breath that you need and exhaling. And I cannot believe it, but I have the opportunity to speak with Katara McCarty, who is the founder and the first creator of a wellness app for Black, Indigenous, women of color, people of color. And it is incredible that I have her here on the Give My Life Tour. Let me give you a little bit of information about Katara before she comes on and takes center stage with us. I'm only going to read a short portion of her bio because she has an incredible story and I cannot wait for her to share it with you. From out of the realities of abandonment by her biological mother, being biracial and growing up in a Black home, Katara realized early in life that the color of her skin mattered. After becoming a single mother at age 19 and finding the courage to leave an abusive relationship, Katara became an entrepreneur, holding leadership positions in both nonprofit and for-profit organizations. Today, Katara is a highly sought-after coach, author, and podcast host dedicated to cultivating brave spaces of belonging for Black, Indigenous women of color. And as a Black woman, she is committed to amplifying the richness of Black, Indigenous women of color and their story, while also advocating for and providing emotional well-being resources. And she does so through her app, Excel. Katara, you have such an incredible story and such an incredible resource for us all with the Excel app. And I'm so glad that you are taking center stage. Welcome to the Get My Life Tour. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm getting my I'm gonna get my life tour. I'm on it right now with you. Yes. Thank you for having me. It's an honor just to sit with you and and be here with you and just chat it up a little bit. So thank you. You are welcome. When I saw who you were online and what you are doing, there was no way that you were not going to take center stage with me. I was like, okay, I have had to learn how to take deep breaths. Wellness is a huge focus of the Get My Life Tour. And just reading parts of your story and being able to touch base with you before this conversation made me know in my heart and in my spirit that you had to be here because there is someone waiting to hear from you. 
I'm so glad. I'm so glad that, yeah, I was like, when we had our pre-conversation before, uh, before your, before the recording of this episode, I was like, we should have been taping this, right? This conversation was good. It was a great conversation. So, yeah. I'm so grateful for those moments. And I often have that thought. I'm like, why in the world weren't we recording? But that's the beauty of being able to connect with people on a genuine level. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I consider those to be God moments, right? Mm-hmm. When, you, when you don't even realize you're getting something that you need. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that that's not recorded because I feel like that was just for me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, okay, they'll get what they need when we go on tour and we're center stage. But yeah. I am so grateful for what I consider to be your ministry, right? The work that you're mm-hmm. doing. And we're going to get into all of that. But before mm-hmm. we go there... Aside from what's written on the internet and what is printed, um, you know, for people to read about you, in your own words, who is Katara? Mm. Oh, wow. What a great question. Yeah. We're going, we're going there early in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Lydia, Lydia ain't messing around. You know what? <laughs> you know, I would say Katara is... Um, a grounded person, someone who has been on a journey to come home to herself for a really long time. And I'm proud to say that I'm home with myself and it's been a long journey, um, of rediscovering, of rewriting my story, um, but I would say I am a grounded person, that I, I'm a generous person. I am someone who cares about her community and wants to live her life in a way that leaves a legacy um, for my children and also runs the race um, that has been passed to me. I feel like the, the generation that goes before us runs their race and they hand off the baton. And I'm trying to do my best to run my, my, my portion of the race, um, to get women, specifically black, indigenous women of color, a little bit further so that I can pass the baton off to the next generation and they, um, they don't have to maybe run as far. <laughs> I love and that. so I'm very passionate, passionate about emotional well-being for black and brown women. And um, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit more about me. I'm a mom. I'm a mom of two beautiful, amazing adult women. Uh, my oldest is 27, my youngest is 22. I'm a wife, been married for 23 years. Um, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. Um I'm an auntie. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a community member. Um, and I'm, and I feel like I'm somebody who tries to take responsibility, um, to do the work of paving the way for other people, um, uh, to have it better, right. Leave, leave things better than the way you found them. And so that's a little bit more about me outside of, you know, what I do and, what I create. I love that. Oh my goodness. I love that you talk about being home. Mm-hmm. So many of us are in search of home and home has looked so different um, mm-hmm. for so many 
of us. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciate that coming back to yourself. You know, I, and I love that you are able to speak about who you are outside of what you create. Mm-hmm. I think that's an entirely different conversation, right? Yeah. There, right. Because mm-hmm. so many of us are so married to what we do and what we produce and create. And we haven't sat down to think about who we are, right? And how we show up in the world. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, like once you're able to really understand and discover who you are at your core, that what you're creating, what you're doing, the career path you choose or unchoose and choose another one comes out of that place of knowing who you are. It's it's an authentic place, right? So then the content that I'm creating, um, things that I'm doing in the earth, the world comes from a a more authentic place versus, Oh, let me just create this. Let me just take, you know, let me just do this with my life. Um, you know, I think if we can learn how to really belong to ourselves and make Mm -hmm. that a priority that everything else that will come up out of that, will be lovely and beautiful and um, actually like even creating from that place, it's easier for me to create from a place of belonging to myself and knowing who I am versus not. And so I think that um, flipping the script and saying, okay, what does it look like to journey back to myself and to really find my truest authentic self and then create from that place, I believe is our ultimate calling. Um, it is to get back home so that we can produce what we need to, what we're meant to produce in the world. You know what, guitar? (laughs) I'm over here fixing my computer glasses. They have no prescription, (laughs) but I'm looking at the top of them because I'm just like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That is so good. Okay. So Mm -hmm. two things came to Mm -hmm. mind. Mm One was being out of breath because we're running and we're just going and going. And sometimes we're running from ourselves um, or running to get somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Because we think that we have to be there and now we're out of breath. Mm. The second thing that that came to me is the idea of getting there and being still and actually practicing that breath work. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been in both of those places, Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot of that running around and that running around can look like so many things in order for us to get to a moment where we realize we have to breathe. Mm -hmm. Have you had that moment? Um, And if so, what was that like? for you like what did that process and and now I'm thinking okay so this is like a two-fold question right mm-hmm. so this is how my brain works guitar, but mm-hmm. okay. now, now I'm visualizing you know your journey and getting back home mm-hmm. uh, what was what was that like catching your breath right getting getting back home and then and taking that deep breath let's say that yeah I think that you know society and our culture um, puts a lot of pressure on women, specifically black women, brown women to, um, who they're supposed to be, how they're supposed to show up in the world. And so there's a lot of cultural conditioning that has to be, um, 
unpacked um, and kind of peeled away of these expectations of who I'm supposed to be and how I'm supposed to show up. Right. And so, um, because of that cultural conditioning, you know, I remember being in my twenties, just kind of like living what everybody else wanted me to live and be right. Listening to other people, worried about what other people think, um, pursuing things that, um, made me look a certain way or things that I wanted people to believe about me. And, um, you know, it takes you as you pursue that, as you kind of, you know, you adapt to that culture, not just adapt, but you, um, succumb to that cultural conditioning. It pulls you really away from who you are and what you really want and what you feel like you're supposed to do. And so I got pregnant when I was 19 years old. I was just a baby. Um, when I look back on that time, I'm like, gosh, you were so young. I had to drop out of college. Um, I didn't have to, but I felt like that was the advice I was getting from adults in my life. Drop out of college, get a full-time job. Like, um, you got a baby to take care of. And I remember just being on that journey at such a young age. And the moment that I had my oldest daughter at 19, the nurse put her in my arms. Um, after a pretty traumatic um, birthing experience, I was meant to have her natural. Um, she was breached, but they had to do an emergency C-section. I was, there was a lot of fear running through my body and my veins and my, you know, and it was kind of traumatic actually. And. I remember after coming to, they put, um, my daughter Bria in my arms. And I remember that was a turning point for me. It was, a, it was one of those moments that will be seared into my heart and in my mind for th until I leave this earth. But I remember holding her and looking at her and thinking to myself, I have to, um, I'm responsible. I am responsible for this human being. Like this is a real person that's looking up at me, depending on me to create a life for her and I, that is, you know, where we're thriving. And I remember thinking, I'm not doing that currently. I'm currently not doing that. And I remember looking at her kind of stroking her little nose and touching her fingers <laughs> and her face. And, and really the wheels began to turn in my head to say like, Katara, who are you and what do you want? And what kind of life are you going to create for you and her? What kind of life are you going to create for you and Bria? And that was a pivotal moment for me. And it kind of took me down a different path. And I, and I tell Bria all the time, like, I'm like, I don't want to put this on you, but you literally saved my life. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it wasn't for you. I don't know where Sweet. I would really be today. And so it really put me on this path of like, okay, Katar, you have to make better decisions. You have to get yourself um, away from people that are um, toxic and begin to put yourself in situations that are healthier, that cause you to grow and things like that. So that was kind of the beginning of me journeying back to myself. And I, and, and I have to say there have been several moments along the way like that, that reminded me like, Oh wait, this is, this is what we're doing. We're journeying back to ourselves. And back then I didn't have this language. I didn't have the language to say what I was doing, right. To, to say, Hey, I'm breaking this relationship off because it's toxic. And I'm trying to find, I'm trying to come home to myself. You know, I didn't right. have the language to say that, but there are lots of moments along the way where I had to break relationship or I had to make a hard decision or I had to choose to get a coach. I had to choose to get a therapist. I had to choose to start working out and stop eating meat. And there's just like all of these moments 
that I am meditating, um, learning how to come back to my breath and how my breath has power and how my breath enables me to be centered and to be grounded and to get still to actually push the pause button and say, Hey, I'm going to go in this room and I'm just going to get still and be still and sit with myself. And so there's been a lot of those moments along the way that has been appealing back of what culture has told me I should be or how I should show up in the world. And there's been appealing back. And that has happened through moments of stillness. That's happened through grief, right? Through losing people, losing things, losing your idea of what your life was going to look like. So yeah, stillness, getting quiet, grief, pain, disappointment, abandonment, um, I think that the journey coming back to ourselves isn't pretty. Like you think about somebody putting a backpack on and going on a a hike or a journey, like it's dirty, it's messy, it's hot, sweaty, it's cold. I'm hungry. Like there's moments that are, you look up at that are really beautiful. And then are moments that are really hard. And I think just going through, when I look back on my life, I just kept moving, right? I kept Saying, okay, here's the next stage. What do I do here? And when I say moving, I don't mean that there's not moments of stillness. I think stillness is moving. Stillness yeah. is moving us closer to us and um, finding the importance of that and understanding that I think for me, coming back home has allowed me to take a deep breath and say, oh, there you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. Yeah. Oh, okay. I I had to take a deep breath because that is so rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stillness is moving us closer to us. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think that's what happens in our society at once. It tries to get us to adapt to this hustle culture, this grind culture, where every moment that we have in the day, we got to be doing, 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 doing. And really that's pulling us further away from who we really are. Right. Um, that actually, if I can carve out time for myself to be with myself and to find that moment of stillness and to connect with my breath, that I'm actually creating more space. I'm creating more time. I'm creating uh, more a, a richness that's coming from my life that otherwise wouldn't happen if I'm, you know, you know, beating the ground, like, you know, just hustle, 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 hustle. It really, it's like I said, it's like if we continue to do that as people, we will unravel. We'll just keep unraveling and, and not be whole and not be home within ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, when you speak about the expansion, I'm thinking about the chest and, mm-hmm. and being in harmony yeah. with ourselves, yeah. right? That expansion as we let go and as we make room mm-hmm. for literally life, the air that we are breathing in, it is something that I now hold sacred. Mm-hmm. But it is also something I did not know how to do for a very long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a conversation with a breathwork specialist. And prior to that conversation, I had conversations with a therapist, a physical therapist, and a chiropractor, as well as primary care physician. And they all told me to breathe. Mm. 
I was extremely stressed. I did not realize that breathing requires exercise and a deep level of intentionality. Therefore, I was stressing my body out even more because I was panicking. I didn't realize that breathing from my core was so important. And I would honestly forget to breathe. Mm -hmm. When I was stressed out, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. oh, breathe. Okay, get up and use the restroom. Oh, eat. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Be in a relaxed body. All of those things became foreign Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. me. So as you speak about the the expansion, I I appreciate, you know, expansion as it relates to the mind, the body, and the mm-hmm. spirit, literally through exhaling, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And knowing when to inhale and knowing when to exhale. Mm-hmm. You know, your creation, exhale is right on time, right Mm -hmm. on time. Tell me or tell us better yet more about what prompted you to be so intentional about creating a resource for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all, you know, it started with, um, I love how you said, you know, like you, you had been holding your breath because that's kind of the foundation of like, the purpose and the mission of the app is to give black indigenous women of color a place and a resource to exhale, right? To stop holding our breath because we're holding our breath because of stress. We're holding our breath because of uncertainty. We're holding our breath because of the racism that we face. We're holding our, holding our breath because of systems of oppression. We're holding our breath because, because we don't know what's going to happen when our brown and black kids leave our home. Are they safe? And so we're constantly holding. It's like this tension that that is um, that we're stuck in um, a lot of the time, weaving through life in our bodies. And so um, we got quarantined here in Indiana um, late March, and um, I lost over half my clientele. Um, I'm a coach and a public speaker, and that kind of all came to a halt halt when, um, we got quarantined. And so it was like another, another one of those stressors that's like, you know, you're just like holding your breath, like what's going to happen, what's going to happen. And, um, I started doing my, my practices. I, I, that I always do, but I amped it up during that time. I, I started, you know, continued to meditate. I was doing my breath work exercises and just really, really trying to manage my own stress. And then the Ahmad Aubrey video went viral and um, the stress and trauma that that, bought, that brought um, the community, um, specifically Black people watching that video, you know, we know that these things happen um, to Black folk. Um, but to see it play out in our feeds on Instagram and Facebook brought a whole nother level of trauma. Um, and seeing that, that, that I've never, that's never happened in my lifetime. And then Brianna Taylor, we heard the news about Brianna Taylor being killed and then the George Floyd video, his murder. Um, and that was videoed and that went viral. And so there was this intense 
you, it was a collective trauma that I was feeling in a way that I had never felt before. It wasn't just about me. It was about my community. It was about, um, grieving. It felt hopeless, honestly, because the things that happen in our community, we know about, but it felt very exasperated at that time. They were saying that COVID was hitting the black community disproportionately. Um, and it, you know, it's because we have pre-existing conditions and I'm like, that's not the full story. You know, we have pre-existing conditions because of mm-hmm. systemic racism. And, you know, I just, there was a I lot going on during that time. And so again, I was amping up my self-care practices and my emotional well-being. And I went to turn on an app and, um, to meditate one morning and I'm listening and it felt like a disconnect with this app. I'm like, does this these people on the other end of this app not know that like my community is literally hemorrhaging right now. Like we are, it's beyond being holding our breath. Like we are hemorrhaging and my community needs, needs help. Like we need. And so I just remember like getting off of that app and thinking like, Oh my gosh, like specifically black women um, are some of the most marginalized in our society. And so um I just felt this, this idea just literally, I felt like it was very divine how it came. It just like felt like it dropped from heaven through the ceiling of my condo and my mind and my heart. Like you should, you should create something to be a resource. And what if you put in your, your emotional well-being practices along with your coaching, what you give your clients to come home to themselves, like we were talking about earlier and how to find their truth's most authentic self and how to manage their stress, how to manage their trauma, how to sit with their breath, how to do breath work, how to meditate. Like what if you put that all in an app specifically for black indigenous women of color? And so that's where the idea came. I don't, I'm not a techie person. I have no idea. I didn't know how to create an app. I use apps, but I'm not, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. But I remember coming upstairs and telling my husband, like, I'm like, I think I got it. And I honestly, weeks, weeks and days before that, I just kept asking myself, like, Katar, what can you do for your community? The heaviness was so major and big, but I wanted to show up for my community in a way that could help relieve some of that stress. And I just wasn't sure what that was. And I just kept asking myself throughout the day under my breath, or I'd look myself in the mirror after going to the bathroom, like, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? And I think because I was open to, to ask that question of myself and, um, to hold space for the black community every day and what we were experiencing. I think that out of that is where the idea came to create, um, Excel app. You say you have none of this technical experience, yet the app Mm. is so well Mm. designed and it's such an intimate space from the imagery to the guided meditations. Everything is so well Mm. put together and you can tell that it is Mm -hmm. purpose driven. So look, you have all the experience you needed, right? I love that it all came together and that you began to ask yourself that question. You know, this is so far removed from this conversation, but Mm -hmm. I think it is applicable and it is a line from one of my favorite movies, Boys (laughs) in the Hood. And love that movie. This is how my brain brain works, Katara. And it is, 
either they don't know, don't show, or just don't care about what's Mm -hmm. going on in the hood, right? And I know that not all Black people live in the hood and have that experience, but as I think about the the Black Mm -hmm. community, right, in our entirety, there are so many people who are not thinking Mm -hmm. about us as they create and as they produce what they think will be mm-hmm. great resources mm-hmm. for all, right? I, I have this love for technology and design thinking. And it's something that, you know, people in the tech space are so big on, as well as diversity mm-hmm. inclusion, right? Mm-hmm. These buzzwords and these ideas for strategies that they have enough money to create but not implement because no mm. one truly cares, right? And, you know, I say that, I know it's pretty, yeah, it's you know, true. disruptive, yeah. but it's, mm-hmm. it's very telling, right? Um, the fact that you had this sense of urgency, this curiosity, and simply mm-hmm. did it, right, is telling of the gap that exist within the tech space, the wellness space, um, yeah. and just in America, yeah, right? You responded so promptly. You know, we have been in quarantine for nearly mm-hmm. seven mm-hmm. months now, and wellness has been a huge conversation as it relates to the health crisis, right? But I think more physically than Mm -hmm. psychologically now there are conversations Mm -hmm. about mental health black people have been trying to have this conversation about not being well um in the systemic oppression and all of the uh, Mm. repercussions Mm -hmm. that we (laughs) we face right and have to experience but you you Mm -hmm. you've done it right you said you need this let me create this for us Uh, i say all that to say that It only takes one person to ask the question and really execute. And I'm so glad that you asked yourself that question and you began to do the work because Excel is what Mm, so many. Thank you for saying that. I definitely, you know, I was I was born in 1972 here in Indiana. It was just a few years um, removed from it being illegal for you to marry outside of your race. And my mother's biologically white, but was pregnant by a black, a black man in 1972. And, and, um, that was part of the reason why she abandoned me at the hospital. And so I'm, I'm, I'm biologically biracial, but what was, what's so beautiful about while that's so sad and I've had to grow, I've had to deal with my own abandonment issues and (laughs) unpack my stuff around that, um, and continue to do that work. Um, what's so beautiful is, is a black woman stepped up and said, I'll take that baby. And, um, it was a woman that was wanting to adopt another uh, baby girl. And, um, she had already adopted one, um, baby and she wanted a sister for her. And so her and her mother back then, they pulled their resources together to purchase a home 
And, um, she was working really hard and was able to do that and, um, didn't, wasn't married and wasn't even sure that she ever wanted to get married, but she wanted children. And so she adopted, um, again, my sister first, which is not my biological sister, but we're sisters. And then, um, a year later got me. And so watching, uh, you know, looking, thinking back on, my mom and my grandmother, these amazing black women who raised me in a black community, in a black family. We have black neighbors, black community center. I grew up um, with us. So it's like, this feels very much full circle for me, the development of Exhale app, because I feel like I wanted to give back in a way to women specifically, um, or those who have gender identities that are oppressed by racism and misogyny. And, um, to kind of come back full circle to be like, Hey, here were these two black women that opened up their home to me and raised me and instilled values into me and gave me good food and a warm bed. And it's so, it feels so again, divine that this is what I feel drawn and called to do in this season of my life is to give back to black and brown women um, because black and brown women are who nourished me when I didn't have the ability to nourish myself, who kept me safe when I didn't have the ability to, to create that for myself as a baby and as a child. So um, it, it feels very much full circle and I can't not think about us. I just can't. I was raised by two black women. I've watched all of us uh, face systems of oppression and microaggressions and what that did to my mom. My mom had horrible migraines because of the stress of going to the nursing home and having um, white patients refuse care from her because she's a black woman and her going to her boss and nothing really being done about that. And that making her so stressed that she would come home with migraines. And, you know, so it feels like you know, when you say, mm. uh, you know, we can't, I can't quit thinking about us, you know, other people aren't thinking about us, but I can't quit thinking about us and how all of this that's, that's right. emerged, um, that's been exasperated because it's already, it's, it was already present in the black community, but has been exasperated. Um, I can't help, but do something about it. You know, it's like, it's like, I just couldn't help myself. Um, but it definitely feels full circle. And I think, um, as, as we move forward, um, as, as the black community, community, like doing more of that, like that back in the day, taking care of each other, you know, like my mom and grandmother raised me, but also my neighbor peaches raised me and the neighbor Frank in the back (laughs) of our house, he helped raise me, you know what I'm saying? Getting back to this collective care. Um, that is our roots, that, that is our roots and it is our mm-hmm. ancestry. Right. And, and getting back to like taking care of each other is really important to me. So, yeah. You know, and we can yes. do that when we are healthy yes. and whole, right. Or mm-hmm. at least in mm-hmm. pursuit of wholeness. And that also means we yeah. have to be in relaxed bodies which means we need to be taking mm-hmm. those deep mm-hmm. breaths. 
it's hard to be in community with one another mm. when we're frazzled and all over the place and everyone's high stressed and you can't properly function, right? That is difficult. You know, you have um, outlined a great or highlighted a great um, statistic for us, um, and it is Black adults are 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than white adults because of oppression, systemic racism, and other factors, right, at work and just societally, right? And that is to be attributed to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. But I'm so glad that you've highlighted that for me because I've always been curious about how many of us, you know, are under yeah, what feels absolutely. like siege, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in our mm-hmm. own bodies. And when you think about that percentage, the high percentage, some people are like, probably, oh, 20% is, high, is mm-hmm. low. No, 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 that's too high, right? And the numbers probably mm-hmm. are higher depending on who you talk to, right? Um, or how mm-hmm. many people actually sought treatment because mm-hmm. so many of us do not do that either. But I love that idea of, us getting back to being in community with one another and taking care of each other. Um, but that does require us being healthy and whole. And I appreciate you, mm-hmm. you know, creating the Excel app so that we can do that, mm-hmm. right? Be in community with ourselves and be in mm-hmm. community. I think that that's, that's right. That's it. It's how do I, how do I discover tools um, and that's what Excel app provides is the, are these tools to belong to myself. But then as I'm belonging to myself, I realize, hold on, I belong to a collective and I have, I have a responsibility to cultivate cultures of belonging for other marginalized folks. Right. And so I think it's belonging to ourselves and realizing we belong to the collective. So it's like this twofold uh, thing that's happening in us, right? Like I'm coming home to myself. I'm really coming home to the idea of we're connected. We're connected to all things. And, um, and I have a responsibility now to then provide, you know, care, love, whatever it is to, to the community, to the collective. Yeah. You know, I am so curious about the ways in which you practice having moments where you exhale. Can you share some of those moments? You are (laughs) now a tech founder. You are a coach, an author, and mother, and wife, and everything else, right? A sister, a daughter, and a force, you know, within our community, what are some of the ways that you practice taking that time? Yeah. First of all, I'm intentional about that time. And I think in coming home to myself, I've fallen, fallen deep, deeper in love with myself. And because I love myself and, and listen, this is a process. I'm not saying this like, Oh, I love myself. Like I've had to work toward loving myself because I haven't (laughs) always done that well. Um, And so because of that, I have to be intentional about time. I have to be intentional about carving out time 
for myself. And so I do this every day. I carve out time, like literally when my eyes wake up in the morning, I just take a moment and I put my, my right hand on my, on my chest, um, right below my neck. And I put my other hand on my stomach and I just take about four to five deep inhales and long exhales. And as I'm doing that, I'm, I'm thanking my body um, for doing what it does while I'm sleeping, right? My heart continued to beat my, you know, my lungs continued to work. My brain is, is resting and rejuvenating and, you know, all the things that like thanking, thanking my body for showing up for me in this day. And so practicing breathing and gratitude as soon as my eyes open. And then, um, I work out every day. I do, I move my body. And when I say workout, I don't mean like I'm in the gym lifting a bunch of weights and stuff. Like I do something to move my body. I activate my body. So whether that's going on a run or a walk, or maybe just picking up some weights, like I do that. I drink, I start drinking water as soon as I come into the kitchen. Um, in the morning I, I drink, um, half my body weight in ounces of water. So I start that early in the morning. I start drinking my water. Um, and then in moments throughout the day where that stress is activated because, you know, things happen that you didn't expect, you get bad news. Um, you find out somebody that you love, something's going on with them. Like, right. So those stressors will come up in me. Um, and what I do is I just try to pause. Sometimes I'm already worked up. The anxiety is already there. So I just try to pause and take, you know, inhale through my nose. I exhale through my mouth, even if it's two or three times and really kind of coach myself in my mind. Like you're fine. You're okay. This is okay. You're okay. Right. Or this really sucks, but you don't have to be out of, you know, out of whack because of it, right? Like you can still center yourself in this stressful situation. And so really accessing my breath throughout the day, noticing what's happening in my body throughout the day. Do I need a nap? You know, if I'm sleepy and I'm like, no, I have to keep grinding. It's like, well, what would happen if you took a 15 minute nap or 20 minute nap? Or what if you just sat in your chair and rested? And so giving my myself the gift of rest or a nap. Now, listen, there's some days I've done work out that way. It's not that pretty, but I don't get a nap every day. But, um, really making myself a priority. And I don't think we do that. I just don't think we do that. And, and I think that that, um, for me do really incorporating these practices, I meditate, um, there's, you know, in the mornings, if there's, um, you know, between my workouts or before my workout, I carve out 15, 20 minutes to meditate. And so really all the things that are in the app, I do all those things. I meditate, I do breath work. I listen to like, I coach myself or I have a coach. Um, I affirm myself. I have little sticky notes with affirmations on my mirrors and uh, sticky notes on my car reminding me of who I am. Um, I've tried to put good people in my life. I've weeded out some of the folks that were, were bringing me down and, and creating, uh, not allowing me, giving me room to, to really be myself. I've weeded those people out and really brought some good people into my life. So I have, I have a, a network of folks that I can call if I'm feeling icky and down on myself. That'll remind me of who I am. And so th those are literally what I put in the app. Those are the practices that I do, that I do every day. And I, and, it, and, you know, I may do a breath work and not meditate that day, or, you know, I may not get to my workout, but I'm going to take a walk after dinner, you know? So 
just really, I think at the end of the day, making ourselves a priority and understanding that as I do those things, as I practice gratitude, as I practice stillness, meditation, breath work, all those things that that is attributing to my emotional well being that I'm creating a healthier me. And I think that, um, when I think about our community, I think that that there definitely is an educational piece that comes with the app to say, Hey, you got to make yourself a priority. You got to push the pause button. You got to rest. You have to. And, and I think that sometimes people don't think that they have the room in their life to do that. And I would just push back a little bit and challenge and say, create, create the space for it. Like, right. Like it's really important and, um, to carve out that time and to be intentional. That is really good information. That is so good. Mm -hmm. You have the time to rest. As I say that, I am speaking to myself as well. You know, I often tell people, and I say this, I've put it on social media a million Mm -hmm. times, Mm -hmm. resting is doing something. And I have to remember that all the time. Like you mentioned, hustle culture is real. And so many Black women, especially women of color as well, we we Mm -hmm. experience burnout at alarming rates. Like burnout has taken has taken us out the game right and you know being mentally Mm -hmm. exhausted Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. nothing to play with you know it's one thing to be resilient but to push yourself past your limits and to do so in a way that disregards your overall health Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. so damaging right and you know, unfortunately, a lot of us have been conditioned to to continue to operate that way. We weather so many storms in our lives and we think that in order to, mm-hmm. you know, keep it moving, that we have to show up mm-hmm. bloody yeah. and bowed. And mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. And this whole idea, like, we have to be strong. Black women, black women are strong. Black women are strong. Black women are strong. And so then we take that on. I'm like, well, I got to be strong. I got to be strong. But what would it look like to not be? What would it look like to just be? <laughs> you know, just be with what is instead of, oh, I have right. to suck it up and be strong. Well, what if you didn't suck it up? What if you sat with your grief? What if you acknowledged your your pain? Like, what would that what would that look like? Right? What what would it look like to acknowledge that you're tired and take a nap? Right? That this idea that I have to be strong is actually making us weak, <laughs> right? And 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 incorporating practices in our lives <laughs> that that really is about giving us the space to be whatever, um, whatever is is happening that day or whatever emotion is coming up, giving ourselves that permission instead of feeling the pressure to be strong all the time. And, um, I think that like you said, if I continue to push myself, then it leads to burnout. It leads to, it literally leads to physical illness. Like it does, there's a whole science to it, right? Like literally Mm -hmm. leads to 
um, physical illness, which makes us more susceptible to, to when COVID hits, right? Uh, you know, right? Like we're more susceptible. So it's really, really important. And I mm-hmm. say this and I've seen, I've seen this on lots of, um, specifically black women that are advocating for, for us to rest, that rest is resistance. Rest is resistance. And so giving yourself that gift is creating, um, this room, this space for you to rejuvenate, for you to catch your breath, for you to, you know, grieve what you need to grieve, for you to center yourself, for you to get, have creative ideas come. Because if we keep pushing ourselves, those creative ideas won't come. Right. And so you want to start a business. Well, maybe you need to take a nap. Right. You know, you know, and maybe the idea will actually come because you, you're rested, <laughs> you know, push the pause button. And you have had women say, well, I, you know, once I hit, get off work, I got to get home. I got to get dinner, you know, that my kids are waiting on me, all these things. I'm like, well, before you get out of your car, do a breath work, pull open your Excel app and, and do calm breathing. 10 minutes, eight minutes, and then go into your house, right? Um, on your lunch hour, go sit on the park, go find a park bench to sit mm-hmm. on and eat your lunch there alone with yourself, right? So there are things that you can do when we think we don't have time. We don't have time. We got to keep it going. God, keep it going. Really creating that time, I think is important. So that, like you said, we don't get to that place of burn- burnout, which many of us have been there some of some of your listeners right now are headed in that direction. So my advice is go take you a nap, sis. Get that nap in. <laughs> yes. You know, for so long, fun fact, yeah. I associated oh, napping with laziness. I don't know where that came from. I was like, oh, if you take a nap, you are lazy. I, I just, I don't have fun. And then I took a nap. After just passing yeah. out, and I thought, wow, I probably should do that voluntarily. And <laughs> I'm, I'm still not the best napper. I feel like I, I turn mm-hmm. on like baby mode. Like I'm the person who fights the naps mm-hmm. in my adult life. And I'm like, what do you just listen to your body? Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad. You know, and I remember my grandmother would sit, she'd nap, do laundry okay? and ironing for. Um, people in the community and she would just sit in her recliner and close her eyes. And we thought she was asleep. We're like, so we're saying stuff and, you know, joking, misbehaving. And she'd have her eyes closed and she's like, you know, I hear you, you know, I can hear you. I'm just, you know, grandma's just resting her eyes. And I'm like, ah, there was something to that, right? There was some, it would be in the middle of the day. And she would just sit in her chair and she said, I'm just mm-hmm. resting my eyes. And I think that, that there's something really powerful about resting our eyes and just sitting for a moment and maybe not falling asleep, but just breaking, right? Pumping the brakes and sitting and resting your eyes. Yeah. That's beautiful. We sleep mm-hmm. on so many mm-hmm. opportunities to just hit the reset button. Right. And you you made mention of you know community and the ways we have been in community traditionally mm-hmm. and culturally as a people and ancestrally right and that is one of those things we don't we don't look back on the 
the body language and the habits of our people mm-hmm. in the past, right? They didn't have mm-hmm. the language, the meditation and this mm-hmm. and breath work and that, you know, some cultures have, right? Um, but when we get back to mm-hmm. that, as you beautifully said, we get back to ourselves. So I, I'm so glad that you have, you know, uh, brought that moment to us here yeah. on tour because sometimes we just need to let our eyes rest yeah. and everything else. Thank you. That And that, you know, that builds, resi- that, that does so build resilience beautiful. because when we walk out our front doors, the microaggressions are going to be out there, right? Systemic racism's out there. I don't know that it will fall and be dismantled in my lifetime. So I know it's out there and that's why it's so important for me to create this haven for myself where I can rejuvenate and rest and center myself and become grounded because I know what's out there. We, we, we know what's out in the streets, right? Like we're not going to work because we're in these bodies. So when right. I go out in the world, <laughs> yes. oppression is facing me out there and that brings more trauma. That brings more anxiety. That brings more stress, but I have to learn how to get that stress out of my body. Um, even though it may happen tomorrow, right? I got it. I got to get that stress because that's, if I don't, that trauma's compounded, 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 compounded. And then I'm, and then I realize, oh, wow, like I'm really ill. I'm really sick or, you know, I'm really depressed. Right. But there are actually resources and tools that you can, um, bring into your life that produce, um, this level of rest and connection that helps build your resilience for when you go back out and face what's out there um, for us as black people. So, yeah. That's hard. You have been such a delight. Like you're a treasure. You really are. You are, you know, and I I say that thinking about uh, one of my favorite books, the alchemist, and, you know, that process of getting back to ourselves and us being our own treasures or our treasures being in our heart. And I am just so grateful for the way that mm-hmm. you have showed. Thank you for having me, Lydia. You are so f- just a I really pleasure to chat with and talk to. I love what you're doing. I love your podcast. Um, I just I'm excited to see what unfolds for you. And I just always count it an honor any time I get an opportunity to share a little bit of my story with other people. And so I thank you for inviting me and for reaching out and having me. You are welcome. And thank you so mm. much for your time. <laughs> well, we are not quite done. It is time. You have already like <laughs> dropped the mic and picked it up, kicked over the stand, picked it up again. <laughs> twirled it in the air, threw it out into the crowd. But now <laughs> it is time for you to mm. officially. Well, I think what I would say is, um, you know, our community has been holding its breath for 400 years. And um, what my, it's like, it's like what I want to shout from the rooftops to black women, to brown women, indigenous women, women of color, is make yourself a priority. Um, really tune in to your emotional well-being. That that is going to give you longevity. 
It's going to create space for you to have new ideas, fresh ideas. You're going to show up better as a person in the world. Um, and so I really want specifically black women who are listening to really understand the importance of, of your well-being and that you got to make it a priority because if not, we'll keep being sick. Um, and we won't be able to show up, um, fully. And, um, part of that part of practicing well-being is really coming home to yourself and really coming back to your truest, most authentic self and doing that work to get there, um, is not easy work. It's intentional work. Sometimes it's hard work, but I'm here to tell you it's worthy work. And, um, yeah, I, I hope that, that you can make yourself a priority. You deserve it. You deserve to be a priority in your life and, and to really take care of yourself. Um, and when you do that, other people will show up differently, um, to support you as well. So make your emotional well-being a priority. Take care of yourself. Um, yeah, so you can have longevity and healthiness in this lifetime. There you have it. <laughs> Katara, you are something else. And I say that in the most respectful way possible. I love your energy. I love your your level of intentionality for the work that you're doing mm-hmm. and just who you are. My goodness. You have to let people know how they can stay connected with you and how they can. Yeah. So you can follow me, find me on Instagram at Katara, K-A-T-A-R-A McCarty, M-C-C-A-R-T-Y. That's my handle, Katara McCarty. And really that's kind of the platform I've been hanging out on lately because Facebook is getting on my nerves. I can't, I just can't. So Instagram is a great way to follow me, stay up to date with what I'm doing, what I'm putting out. Also, you can follow Exhale app. Um, Exhale app on Instagram as well. Follow us. We're always putting out um, stuff, information about well-being, meditation, mindfulness. And um, yeah, you can get Exhale in the App Store, Apple App Store and Google Play. If you just put in Exhale, um, you can also put in Exhale BiWalk, B-I-W-O-C. It'll pull right up. It's free to download, free to use. Um, all the pages are unlocked for you to um, access all of those resources. Incredible. And as always, if you want to continue to journey with us here on the Get My Life Tour, be sure to visit thegetmylifetour.com. Connect with the Get My Life Tour on all social platforms. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me personally, be sure to do so by connecting with me on social at Lydia T. Blanco. And do us a favor download, subscribe, leave a review, and let us know what it is that you loved and what you took away from this stop on the tour. Be connected, be well, and continue to show up for yourself. And remember to exhale. Thank you so much for tuning in. It has been real. Until the next time, peace. Mm -hmm.